Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. We're going to talk about Jeff Wilson's Sports Card Investor Paywall and how that is of benefit to everybody, even those who don't avail themselves of it. But we're going to talk about the pros and cons. We're going to hear straight from Jeff. But first, thanks, sponsors Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions, Upper Deck, Panini, and Tops. So, welcome, Jeff. Uh, Thank you. As I've said, you've been on uh, before. We've done your origin story and we've done the origin of your podcast, which is uh, continuing to have great success and you're you're uh, doing more and more stuff. But what listeners who follow closely have noticed is that you've, uh, you've brought out some uh, additional services uh, at a monthly cost. And so walk us through your uh, philosophy there. And I think it's going really well because for every person that thinks that's a bad idea, there apparently are a bunch that say, I think it's a good idea. So I hope you're doing well with it. As I mentioned to you, I think it's the sign of a healthy hobby slash industry that there are that there's uh, uh, information that's worth paying for. So welcome yeah, thank you very much. I have been overwhelmed by the response to it. It's been awesome. We've got a lot of folks who are, you know, paying to be part of our, our monthly membership program, our paywall, as you described. And we have two different levels for it. We have a, a lower level, which is $9 a month, which gives people essentially premium content and premium community. So that might be your more traditional kind of content creators paywall. And then I have an upper level, which is $49 a month, which also gives people access to a very powerful software product, which I built, which is uh, a data analysis tool uh, built around the sports card hobby. So those are the two levels and how I structured it. What about your boardroom uh, thing? Is that, is that uh, invitation only? Not off the ground yet. Uh, the boardroom was the uh, concept that I had for a third level. And the, the idea of the boardroom was that it was going to be a small, small private meeting groups of higher end sports card investors who wanted to be able to make connections with one another, possibly do some deals together, you know, whether it's buying and selling to each other or going in and buying together as a group um, and who uh, just simply wanted connections and insights and more personalized attention. And we, I, I postponed launching that simply because of COVID. The original concept was that we would launch it and then we would have a big event at the national this year uh, for those members to get together in person and obviously all that type of stuff changed. So it is still something I'm looking forward to doing in the future. Uh, but right now it's the the two tiers that I described or the two memberships we're currently doing. Again, I just, I like to tell stories on myself kind of that make me look either, I don't know if it makes me look stupid, but I basically thought about doing a boardroom service. The problem that I have with it is that You've got your your basic 995 service and then your market movers. And then on top of that, so I'd love to do just a boardroom service where people did that, but but you need the platform. And so I, I applaud what you're doing. The other reason for having the boardroom out there is it makes 49 bucks a month look cheap. Mm, that's true. I mean, there's <laughs> people don't there's, always want the top thing. Some people right. do, but a lot of people, what's, what's your best thing? And then they'll back off that. And so I, I hope you're doing well. And I hope that just like when, when my company was doing well, we took that money, those profits from from the things we did that, that that generated profits, and plowed it into continuing to improve and 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 stay ahead of the rest of the people that are that are trying to add value. So if you're continuing to add value and increase that value, so what's what's on the horizon? I mean, is it so? If the boardroom is is the market mover fully mature, or are you still adding to that? Well, we're adding to it left, right, and center. So the the a lot of the money we're making from the membership program is being reinvested into into making the membership program better and specifically the market mover tool to continue to expand that. We most recently added the ability to track your own collection. Uh, and the neat thing about it is that if you put your own collection into uh, market movers, it will update every morning with the current price of your collection based upon any sales which took place the day prior on eBay, which involved cards that you happen to have in your collection that other people 
bought and sold. And so it's that that's brought a flood of new customers to the product. People like that feature a lot. We're also trying to get into you know more advanced analytics. One of the things we recently did was we launched ratios, where when you do a search for any card with the market movers, it will compare the multiplier between a PSA 10, a BGS 9.5, a PSA 9, et cetera. And it actually, by looking at that data, you can sometimes start to see patterns where maybe a PSA 9 is underpriced compared to the PSA 10 or where the BGS 9.5s are undervalued compared to uh, you know, a PSA 10 or something of that nature. And so it's uh, just continuing to go deeper into into features that make it that that people love and that people find a lot of value in. Uh, hold that thought because I want to I want to do another episode about kind of the analytics that I've thought about and that uh, uh, much of what you're doing, including those ratios. So so hold that for for uh, another episode at a later date. But in the meantime, there was and again I don't regard people in the hobby as competitors. We're all in this together, and and people can decide for themselves. But there there are other people that are doing things slightly you know somewhat similar to what you're doing, and they've made the choice at least in one case. I'm not going to mention the name. It's not a sponsor. But they, instead of doing, you have a lot of free uh, information, and then you have this first tier, which is your your membership program, but they're not doing it that way. They're basically, instead of giving free and then pay for more, they're doing free trial. To mm-hmm. me, that's very different. You could have done that. You could have, but I think what you're doing is better because you proved yourself with enough free information that if you want even more, you want early delivery. So did you give thought to, to giving, um, you know, like free trial kind of things. Is yeah, that- I, I I did, and I intentionally decided against it, at least for the time being, for the reason why you described. I mean, thankfully, since I have a a, a YouTube show that's very visual, and right. I am referencing my Market Movers data tool throughout the YouTube show often, so people get a sense yeah. of it. They see a lot of the features of it on their screen already. So I feel like I'm giving people a little bit of a demo every every episode as I pull information out of it to, to, by the way, give away for free on the YouTube show. I don't, you know, the YouTube show is hundred percent free and I spend a lot of time on those episodes, put three episodes out a week. So I, I kind of feel like that's the free trial. And I haven't, I haven't opened up the software to a free trial. It can be difficult sometimes when you do that, you know, no, I'm sometimes I, I'm, I'm not pushing back. I, I'm yeah. totally affirming that. And I'm this other entity that you have to sign up for a free trial when I don't know who they are. I'm, I, I'm reluctant to do that. You're showcasing what you've done for free in enough detail that people can say, and you're seeing it. When I start was doing the magazine in the beginning, I can't tell you how many dealers said, you know, I'll think about carrying it. Why don't you send me a free copy and I'll give it a look. And I felt like saying, dude, it's $2.50. It's available. You know, check it out. It's it's almost free, you know, or, or you've seen the annual price guides. I certainly paid my dues. So uh, if you want more of that, then, uh, then give it a try. And if you don't, you don't have to. But what other podcasts out there or other verticals have you looked at for inspiration? I mean, a lot of uh, entrepreneurial efforts that are successful, they're not complete copycats, but they take note of something that's happening in another industry. Were there any other industries that were doing things that you said, hey, I could do that within the uh, sports cards? So what's interesting is I have a, a good friend who runs a major company in the fantasy sports world. And I had been I, I love you know I love sports as a medium and I had been looking for some time at different business opportunities within fantasy sports and also sports gambling. You know the growth of sports gambling obviously across the US. I knew there would be business opportunities there as well. And both fantasy sports and sports gambling were very sophisticated in terms of the digital tools that were available for people to take advantage of to get data and insights into the into what's going on within both of those marketplaces as well as the content that was available and a lot of the content you know obviously if you read any fantasy sports sites they break down 
you know, players and games and fantasy sports projections and a vast amount of detail. And they'll, they'll have artificial intelligence algorithms predicting all of it. And when I got back into sports cards a few years ago, I said, well, wait a minute, where is all of that here? You know, why is there not as much of that level of sophistication when it, when it comes to digital platforms and, and, you know, that kind of deep analysis within the sports card hobby? And so that's actually more so where I took my inspiration from. Another question. You've got some excellent writers. I think you give a little bounty, I think, but why don't you put some of those excellent articles that are on your website, at least, and maybe other places as well, behind your paywall? Yeah, the web, so the website right now, all of the articles on the website, uh, at least all the recent ones, have been written from members of the sports card community. We make that available as a platform for people who want to be able to share their own voice and who want to be able to be a writer, uh, maybe maybe just for the the practice of doing it, or in some cases, because they want to build their own social presence within the sports card world, and they see this as a platform for them to be able to start to gain personal branding and personal notoriety. So we've wanted to encourage that. I think that's one thing that I can do to help build the community is to give other people a platform if they've got a unique voice and something to say. So so that's one of the ways we do it. So I, I really haven't wanted to profit off of it because I've wanted to make the articles available for everybody to read. And we do take submissions from anyone who wants to submit an article. I give $250 a month to the article that gets the most uh, views, you know, it becomes the most popular article of the month. And we make no money off of any of that. I mean, we make a little bit of advertising revenue, you know, from people visiting the website in general, but honestly, it's not much. And so it's really more of a hobby, you know, service. And so, you know, maybe, maybe there's a scenario in the future where a few of the more popular authors, maybe we, maybe we take some of them and, and, you know, start paying them more regularly and make that more premium content. I don't know, but for the moment, I'm happy with that being just a, a free service. You know, I guess the last time we were on together, I was pushing back too much from some things you were doing, even though I was just pointing out tiny counterexamples that 99% of the time you were right and 1%, hey, what about this? But again, I totally agree with you on the writers being uh, not behind the paywall because what your brand is standing for and your paywall is about the time being of the essence. And those articles are not time being of the essence. You know, it's like our price guides when I was doing the magazines back in the day, we had the the uh, the glossy, you know, the nice paper that had the articles that were more timeless that we could do ahead of time. The price guides for many of those years were on newsprint, so we could do it at the absolute last minute because timely. So I see your paywall breaking along those lines. Is that you're, you're going to get a good information for free, but the absolute up to the minute, up to the second, early warning stuff that you're becoming known for, people have to pay for that. Otherwise, yeah. wait a week and find out, and and the hobby is is moving quite a bit. Last question: How optimistic are you about Starstock? I interviewed uh, Scott, and I just my main pushback was: I think five percent is 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 too small of a fee for for them to really continue providing the service when they're only doing a certain number of cards. But you know, it's. It's a yeah, I haven't analyzed the dollars and cents behind the business model in enough detail uh, there. I think from a general concept, I do think that, you know, what they're trying to do is they're trying to appeal to the to the to some of the newer folks within the sports card hobby who really are attracted to the idea of flipping that are they're attracted to the idea of if I can buy a card, you know, today I can sell out of it even even as soon as next week or if the player has a big game or a month from now or three months from now. And they're trying to make that process very, very easy and, and simple for those type of people. So I think the philosophy behind it is good because I do think a lot of the newer people arriving in the hobby are of the mindset where they, they, that appeals to them. Well, if it's high dollar enough cards, the 5% might work. But if they get bogged down in, uh, in you know, they're doing a lot of raw cards, which is, which is a little tricky, a little tricky. So, uh, yeah, I think it's, um, I'm hopeful because I, I'd like to see more players in the industry that are, that are bringing, uh, 
increase velocity and liquidity to to our industry because I think those are signs of health. So you're certainly doing that, and uh, it doesn't seem to me that your paywall is uh, slowing anybody down. In fact, it's giving you encouragement to get out there and and earn the the monthly fee by providing a service that people say not only do I want to spend nine ninety five, but hey, I want to bump up to forty nine ninety five. If they don't, they they don't have to. In the meantime, I'm right. And I hope you don't think I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm not going to be a, a, a paying customer of yours. I don't think Jeff. <laughs> That's okay. That's totally fine. Either, but I don't really play in that sandbox. Sure. I have my own thing. I, I think that you're becoming known as specializing in a certain type of card. And there are an awful lot of people that are interested in those kind of cards. And so yep. I wish you well. I think you're doing well. Keep, uh, keep improving and keep, you know, I think you're uh, hopefully a good listener too. So uh, thanks for being on the show and uh, keep up the good work. And um, you're not hiding behind a payroll. You're using the paywall to uh, fund uh, additional growth that might benefit uh, all of us. So, yeah, thank right. you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks, listeners. Be back again tomorrow. The man in the house of